Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Lira, and today I'm going to be telling you guys the story of Todd and Amy Mullis. Now, buckle up. This story reminds me a lot of the Michael Peterson story, aka The Staircase documentary, which is on Netflix, about the writer whose wife fell down the stairs, and no one really could prove that he did it but he was tried and convicted for her murder and he did serve a really long time in prison before ever getting out so let's get started november 10th was just like any other day todd and tristan were up busy getting after some farm work amy was inside doing a puzzle still they had actually not intended to be there that day they were supposed to prepare for land on some adjoining property that I believe belonged to Todd's brother, but the ground was way too cold and they had to go back home where they proceeded to do their own farm work, Todd and his eldest son, Tristan, who was 13 at the time. And it was later that they found Amy Mullis hunched over in the red barn with a corn rake sticking out of her back. Ugh. And yes, her son was the one who found her because I know everybody wants to know so before we get started on the events of november 10th which will forever be questioned by everybody i want to go over who todd and amy are and what kind of got them to this point in their life where todd would even be accused of doing something to his wife amy so todd and amy actually met at i believe it was like a county fair or like a rodeo some type of very ag centered event They are both super outdoorsy people. They love to hunt, fish, and just constantly be outside doing things outside. That's how both of them are described individually and as a couple. They married in 2004 and had three children. Something that I found kind of funny was that Amy had made friends with a woman that she worked with that actually married Amy's dad a couple months before Amy married Todd. So her stepmom is a good friend of hers from a job that she had. Anyway, so they all married their significant others in 2004, and Amy and Todd had three children. Tristan, who was 13 at the times of the accident, Taylor, who was 11, and Wyatt, who was 8 or 9. Now, I know that Amy and Todd were married for 14 years on November 10th of 2018, and Tristan was 13. So I presume that they had, you know, a couple months before they immediately started a family, I always take that into consideration when I look at couples where one is accused of killing the other. I always want to kind of know how long they were married before they started a family and like a really busy, productive life. So Amy was an RN until about 2013. Now there's speculation about Amy quitting. Amy had been having an affair with someone that either worked at the hospital or that she met while she was working at the hospital. And eventually Todd found out So some say that Todd became really controlling at that point and made her quit her job. But others say that Amy ended the affair and wanted to quit to spend more time on the farm and with the family. Now, it does make sense to me that after a big event like, you know, a cheating scandal came out that someone would maybe reevaluate their life and decide, hey, I need to spend more time with my family. I don't know, though. Who's to say? Either way. She quit the job at the at the hospital and she decided to stay home and help out on the farm and be with her family. She loved to be outside and do that type of stuff anyway. So it, it sounds to me like it would have been nice. I don't know though. Now, 
Todd's brothers and dad are all farmers. So they all have land that's within like two, two miles as the crow flies, is what Todd's brother said. And so they help each other a lot with chores, labor, whoever's land needs tending to, they do. And so from all testimony and accounts, this was a lot of work. They had a full operation going. They did hog farms where I guess they would basically take piglets for certain companies and raise them into hogs. And then they also, I know, had a soybean farm. And I believe possibly cattle or his brother had cattle because I know he was supposed to be helping his brother tend land for the cattle. Anyway, that's all I really know. So once Amy quit working, Despite testimony that made her sound like she hated her life, she actually had a really good life. She was a volunteer EMT. She traveled with her kids on fun trips. Her daughter Taylor did tumbling and such, so they would go out of town for that. They did went to Florida, to the beach. Her kids were all involved in activities. And she sounded like a fun, loving, simple woman. Todd claims that he pushed her to go on these trips and vacations and he was 100% supportive and wanted her to be happy and do stuff. Now, Amy had a secret that didn't stay a secret. She had another affair with one of the operations managers of this pig farm. His name was Jerry. Now, I don't know the exact time that this emotional affair occurred, but I do know it didn't become sexual until the spring of 2018. Now, Todd became suspicious that Amy may be having another affair with Jerry because he saw that they were communicating a lot. Todd didn't 100% believe it, that Amy was having an affair with Jerry. So he actually ended up telling Jerry's wife about all the communication and kind of talking to her to see what she thought. And uh, she actually thought Todd was crazy and she ended up blocking him over the whole ordeal on Facebook. Now, Amy and Jerry explained away the communication. They claimed it was about getting the kids into show pigs because Jerry's kids did show pigs and Amy wanted her kids to do show pigs and saying that, you know, Jerry had a kid that was interested in gymnastics. So they were just communicating hundreds of times about this stuff. Hello, if it smells like shit, it's shit, right? Okay, so also in 2018, tragedy struck Amy's family though. And I think this had a really big thing to do with the pressure that the prosecution tried to build surrounding Todd. Now, in 2018, Amy's grandma had become terminally ill, so she really needed to go up and take care of her family. She spent a lot of time away over the next couple months, helping just with the aftermath because her grandma did pass away, and then immediately following that, her uncle was diagnosed with a brain aneurysm, and the outcome was not looking very good. Meanwhile, while Amy was away tending to her mom and helping with things, she told her brother that she was going to divorce Todd. She asked him to put away some of her grandma's furniture so she would have something for when she left. You know, not leave empty-handed. So this kind of shows that she wasn't expecting to stay on the property to me and that Amy's stepmom, though, says Todd was very concerned with Amy's prolonged absence, that maybe he was suspicious she was going to leave him, and that he totally thought she was having another affair, which, I mean, she was. She said that Todd would call and text a lot, and uh, Todd's mom really wasn't happy with Amy's absence either. When Amy went to pick up the kids from her mother-in-law, his mom accused her of abandoning her kids and being a bad mom before she kicked Amy out of her house. 
Now, I do want to clarify that Todd always defended Amy to his mom and did feel like Amy had a really full plate too with everything going on. Supposedly. I mean, this is just outward appearances. But from all outward appearances, it would seem like he did seem suspicious of Amy. A lot of calling, a lot of texting, a lot of accusations flying. But he still was adamant that she was really busy too. Now, Amy was gone a total of 30 days within a two-month period. That is a lot of time to be gone with three children. However, these weren't really small kids anymore. I mean, we're talking 9, 11, and 13. I have four young kids, but we're just kind of coming into that age where nobody's in diapers, no sippy cups. So it's different. Many people testify that Todd never got over the first affair, and that is what caused him to be extremely controlling. Terry Stanner, which was an old friend of Amy, testified that Amy felt really unhappy and trapped, and she advised Amy to tell Todd what was going on, but for the sake of her personal safety, not to do it alone. So some of her friends are kind of coming out the woodwork saying like, yeah, we definitely think Amy should have told him, but not alone because it wouldn't be safe. He may hurt her. I feel in my gut, if I have a friend who comes to me and says, I can't tell my husband blank because I don't feel safe doing so, I think that's where you kind of need to step in with your friends. Uh, That's just my own advice. You guys can have it. It's free. Okay. Patricia Christopher also testified that Amy thought Todd might kill her if she found out, if he found out that she was going to divorce him or if he found out that she was having an affair. Now, these are really blanket statements to me, though, so I understand how they can be explained away, but I'm not saying they're not valid. But, you know, you have a friend who's like, oh, my God, they're going to kill me if they find out. It it can be maybe taken out of context. Um, I'm not sure how literal it was. So Jerry Frazier, now this was the lover, testified that they didn't really discuss their spouses a lot, but once Amy did tell him that she felt trapped, that she wanted to leave Todd, and that if Todd ever found out, she would disappear. That doesn't look too good, right? So at some point, Amy called an old friend, Deborah. Now, her and Deborah had not spoken in years, but Amy was hysterical. She was, you know, hollering, crying, um, talking about the cheating rumors that were going around because supposedly her son Tristan heard the rumor that Amy was cheating and said in passing, as a child would, dad's going to kill you. Now, I found the phone call to a friend whom Amy hadn't spoken to in years to be really odd, but whatever. All in all, there was many claims that Amy was unhappy, that she was afraid, um, but there was no real indicators that I could find of abuse or Amy attempting to get away from Todd alone. So I kind of question how serious the threat of danger was because like I said, she was gone 30 days out of two months she was with her family. I just wonder how afraid she was or if she really knew how at risk she was to Todd actually killing her or if this was just things that she said in passing. I also don't know what kind of person Amy was when it comes to her personal life. I'm not sure if she was a dramatic person. I'm not sure if she was a typically paranoid or anxious person. So I'm sure a lot of that plays into people not taking these threats more seriously and getting Amy help if she was in a domestic violence situation. So what happened? Why are we here listening to this podcast? 
I'll tell you what happened that day in November. So November 6th, four days before the accident, Amy had a very routine surgery. I don't know why it's brought up so frequently in the case because it really seems irrelevant to me, but some people go to work like the same day this procedure is done. It's a very routine, minor invasive procedure. So I think the reason it's brought up a lot is to rationalize that Amy may have not felt good a few days following when the accident occurred or attack really. So on November 10th, Todd and his oldest son, Tristan, who was super close to his dad, they left to go tend to some land for, I believe it was for cattle on his brother's property. So they weren't even supposed to be at home that day. But when they got there, the ground was too cold and hard as seeing it was November. And I think there was maybe a drop in the the temperature. So the point being, they weren't supposed to be home, but they had to go back home because the ground was not optimal for what they were trying to do. So they get home and Amy's just kind of chilling in her pajamas doing a puzzle. And she'd actually saved them breakfast. Now, there's a lot of talk about this breakfast because... Some have said the breakfast was just toast and water, according to investigators, and they believe that toast and water is not breakfast, but whatever. She left breakfast. I'm a mom. There's some days that toast and water is breakfast, okay? So they decided they were going to need to prep the barn for an incoming herd of piglets. Now, remember, they run a farm that is attached to their property that they live on. So they kind of live on like a homestead. So they have a couple barns, a shed, and all that farm jazz. Now, this is their life and livelihood, don't forget. So they, you know, this is what they do. They live on the farm. They work on the farm. Now, Amy had volunteered to clean the lights for fly and fly poop, just a routine thing that needs to be done when they prepare for the piglets. This would require standing on something and reaching overhead. So according to Todd and his son, Tristan, Amy was having to really brace all of her weight when getting up and down atop of whatever she was standing on top of. And then remember, she has to reach overhead. And so it was apparent that she was having some difficulty. And when Tristan asked his mom about it, she said that something to indicate she was dizzy, but she was okay, but she really wasn't feeling that great. So they all kind of agreed that maybe she should just go grab the pet carrier, which was in the red barn, and uh, then go inside. Now, everybody wants to know why she needed the pet carrier, like they made it up or something. So just to clarify, she needed the pet carrier, or they all needed the pet carrier, so that they could wrangle a new litter of barn kittens in while they moved their really heavy motorized farm equipment. Not that it matters, but it gets asked so many times. Okay, the cat's mom had some type of accident, so they were orphan kittens whatever relevancy that has. Okay. So about an hour, maybe an hour and a half go by of Tristan and Todd working together. And now it's really important. They maintain that the only time they were separated was when Tristan went to go get a drink of water in the office. And this has sounded to me like something that maybe took a few seconds at a time, maybe 30 seconds, not long. In testimony, like I said, it was really quick. The source of the water was close. It was a pop in, pop out kind of thing. Well, they've maintained that that was the only time they were away from each other, okay? When they came to a stopping point and didn't see the carrier, they thought, okay, we need to get the carrier and let's check on Amy. So Todd was changing his shoes in the barn. Again, another irrelevant detail, but okay, you have to change different shoes for different barns on operations like this as to minimize cross-contamination. 
So, while he, while Todd was changing his boots, Tristan must have hollered or yelled or indicated something wasn't wrong. And it is because he found his mother, Amy, hunched over with a corn rake sticking out of her back. Todd rushed over and he immediately sent Tristan to get the truck. Now, by the way, I know he's 13, but damn, he's a farm boy. He can drive a truck 40 feet. The truck was only 40 feet away. So he, Todd being he, actually removed the corn rake from Amy's back so that he could fit her through this shed barn door. It did have a narrow opening and I will have pictures posted on my website. So then as he says, he threw her onto his son, which was in the passenger of the truck, and left with Amy's body to try and get receive help. And I guess in his head, he thought maybe it would be faster to get to some main roads. But regardless, pulls the rake out her back, throws her on her son's lap. Those are his words. And then he proceeds to call 911 while he's en route to the hospital. He was able to give them his location and to stop and administer aid while on the phone with a 911 operator as the ambulance was en route. While this was going on, some friends stopped, and when they saw this roadside scene, they immediately helped a son and father duo. So the father, these, this was an adult son, though. I mean, he was probably in his 30s. Okay, so the father of this gentleman is who actually drove Todd behind the ambulance, and the son took Tristan back to the house, where police came to ask questions and look around. Now... The story was consistent. This story has never changed or wavered. When asking Todd why he removed the rake, Todd said that the door was too narrow. And I looked at it. It does seem really narrow. So this was just an instinctive thing to do. I think the question is, why did you not leave her and just call 911 immediately? So Amy died in the hospital from her injuries, and when she was examined by the coroner, it was actually determined that Amy had been killed, and this was a homicide. The rake had stabbed her at least two, and potentially three times. So this kind of blows the top on Todd and his son's whole story. What really happened to Amy? Investigators and prosecutors believe Todd snuck away and did this. What's so hard about this case is that there's no physical evidence because one, it's their farm. So that really kind of limits um, any kind of fingerprint or touch evidence because this is all family farmhands and most of the potential suspects in this murder would be people that would normally be on the barn anyway. So they do have cameras on this farm, but conveniently they were down from october 29th to november 11th that's the day after amy was killed now it was never clarified if the video was deleted or if it had just not been recording at all now apparently the satellite would get knocked down a lot especially with cats and i'm sure this could be easily true as not true What drives everyone crazy is they did take nail trimmings from Amy and they never tested them. Now, I know there's a lot of reasons why a husband's DNA could be under the nails. And it was also really cold, so an attacker would have likely been fully clothed. But they still should have tested the items 
of her fingernail trimmings just in case it did have somebody else's DNA recently on it. Like, what if it had some, what if she got a hold of their hand um, of her attacker? So I know what you're thinking. He got away with it or somebody got away with it. And actually, no, they charged Todd. He stood trial and the prosecution used a lot of tactics. They used Google searches that were done on the barn tablet which actually had access to everybody and a lot of people used it. And then they used testimony of Amy's friends and family and her lover. Some of it, which I mentioned earlier. Um, so this was so that they could paint a picture that Amy was going to leave Todd. She was afraid of Todd. And sure enough, Todd found out about the affair, felt Amy was going to divorce him, which would ruin all his hard work on the farm. And so he had to kill her. Now, when I mentioned Google searches, here are just a, here's just a few of the Google searches that they were using. One, killing unfaithful women. What happens to cheaters in history? Human anatomy. Open chest wound. Wedding dresses. Wedding rings. Porn. And DNA testing without dad knowing. Okay, I find all these very interesting. Now, where they went wrong to me is they never laid these out in a timeline of what was going on during the Google searches. So, like, Todd had to explain all of these Google searches, and he actually did a pretty good job explaining them away. I think the timeline would have helped with this format because we don't know if these Google searches were done within months weeks was this over a year span it wasn't like these were back-to-back google searches that were done the day before amy died these were all spread out over a period of time and a lot of people were using this tablet now i recommend going to mommy ramblings blog on youtube for a very long extended edition of this case and she covers a lot more of the trial and the exact google searches that they discussed and stuff. So Todd was charged with first degree murder as of September, 2019. He's sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole. And he was ordered to pay victim restitution of $155,000. He did appeal this last September of 2020, but the judge said that sentencing wasn't the time to enter new information. Now, I think he was trying to enter new information now for an appeal because his trial had got for sentencing had gotten pushed back over and over and over because of COVID. Oh, COVID. Okay. Now his claims for appeal are that the prosecution misled the jury in cross-examination. I don't think that they're supposed to mislead the jury. I think that they probably just want to present the information the way they want it presented but okay um and then he said that his lawyer forced him to testify and he didn't know he could refuse okay all right go ahead and email me if you guys think (laughs) that he could not he did not know that he couldn't testify okay because i'm gonna call bullshit i know at least somebody in in jail told him that he didn't have to testify i mean that's the most ludicrous thing i've heard Anyway, guys, if you guys are familiar with the staircase, that's something that I am going to be covering. But let me know if you guys think that this case is eerily similar. I also want to mention my own theories. My own theories are that Todd did do it and that Tristan kind of covered for him because Tristan loved his dad. He was a total dad's dude. All right. And then my other theory 
of course, is that anybody else could have done it and Todd just put the cameras down, especially since Todd didn't even expect to be there that day. He was supposed to have him and Tristan somewhere else. I believe the other kids were in the house at the time. So an an inside attack of the home seems really unlikely, but who's to say, right? I think that this definitely needs some more time and this will be something really interesting that will unfold more information later. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, please email me, reach out to me on Facebook or on Instagram. Also, keep an eye out on Storytime Slayer, which is my Facebook and Instagram pages for Storytime. And that's where I upload a lot more information about these stories. (laughs) Also, thank you guys for listening in and being so patient with all of my, you know, some of my past recordings have had some technical glitches with my microphone recording and just like little inside details that drive me crazy. But thanks so much, guys, for continuing to support me and continuing to listen This is something that I really love to do, and I just look forward to you guys really joining in on this with me. So anyway, have a great week. You know, stay alert. Look, double look at everybody, even if you know them. Trust no one. Bye, guys.